health, wealth, happiness. I'm Dr. Michael Greger, and you're listening to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. And while I can't promise you all of those things, if you take a listen to the evidence-based nutrition found in this podcast, chances are you'll learn something that you can use to make a positive change in your diet and in your health. My job here is to bring you the information you need to make that reality possible. There are lots of ways to fight cancer. So on today's show, we look at what happens when you put cancer on a plant-based diet. After Dr. Dean Ornish conquered our number one killer, he moved on to killer number two. What happens if you put cancer on a plant-based diet? Ornish and colleagues found that the progression of prostate cancer could be reversed with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors, and no wonder. If you dip the blood of those eating the standard American diet onto cancer cells growing in a petri dish, cancer growth is cut down about 9%. Put people on a plant-based diet for a year, though, the blood circulating within the bodies of those eating plant-based had nearly eight times the stopping power when it came to cancer cell growth. Now, this was for prostate cancer, leading cancer killer specific to men. In women, it's breast cancer, number one, cancer killer of young women, so researchers wanted to repeat the study with women using breast cancer cells instead, but they didn't want to wait a whole year to get the results. Women are dying now, so they figured, well, let's see what a plant-based diet can do after just two weeks against three different types of human breast cancer. Cancer growth started out powering away at 100% and then dropped after eating a plant-based diet for 14 days. Slowing down the growth of cancer cells is nice. Getting rid of them is even better. This is what's called apoptosis, programmed cell death. After eating healthy, their own bodies were able to somehow reprogram the cancer cells, forcing them into early retirement. This is what's called tunnel imaging, measuring DNA fragmentation, cell death, so dying cancer cells show up as little white spots. The same blood now coursing through these women's bodies gained the power to significantly slow down and stop breast cancer cell growth after just two weeks eating a plant-based diet. What kind of blood do we want in our body? What kind of immune system? Uh, do we want blood that just kind of rolls over when new cancer cells pop up? Or do we want blood circulating to every nook and cranny in our body with the power to slow down and stop it? Now, this dramatic strengthening of cancer defenses is after 14 days of a plant-based diet and exercise. They had these women out walking 30 to 60 minutes a day. Well, if you do two things, how do you know what role the diet played? So researchers decided to put it to the test. Plant-based diet and walking, that's the kind of cancer cell clearance you get. Compare that to the cancer-stopping power of your average sedentary American, which is basically non-existent. The researchers want to know if you exercise hard enough, if you exercise long enough, can you rival some strolling plant eaters? And the answer is, exercise help, no question, but literally 5,000 hours in the gym was no match for a plant-based diet. So the reason one of the largest prospective studies on diet and cancer found the incidence of all cancers combined was lower among those eating more plant-based, maybe because they're eating less animal protein, less meat, egg white, and dairy protein, so end up with less IGF-1, which means less cancer growth. How much less cancer? Middle-aged men and women with high protein intakes had a 75% increase in overall mortality and a fourfold increase in the risk of dying specifically from cancer. But not all proteins 
specifically animal protein, which makes sense given the higher IGF-1 levels. The academic institution sent out a press release with a memorable opening line, that chicken wing you're eating could be as deadly as a cigarette, explaining that eating a diet rich in animal proteins during middle age makes you four times more likely to die from cancer, a mortality risk factor comparable to smoking cigarettes. What was the response to the revelation that diets high in meat, eggs, and dairy could be harmful to health as smoking? Well, one nutrition scientist replied that it was potentially dangerous to compare the effects of smoking with the effects of meat and dairy. Why? Because the smoker might think, why bother quitting smoking if my ham and cheese sandwich is just as bad for me? So better not tell anyone about the whole animal protein thing. That reminds me of a famous Philip Morris cigarette ad that tried to downplay the risk by saying, hey, you think secondhand smoke is bad, increasing the risk of lung cancer 19%. Well, hey, drinking one or two glasses of milk every day may be three times as bad, 62% higher risk of lung cancer, or doubling your risk frequently cooking with oil, or, or tripling your risk of heart disease by eating non-vegetarian, or multiplying your risk sixfold by eating lots of mean dairy. So, they conclude, let's keep some perspective here. The risk of lung cancer from secondhand smoke may be well below that of other everyday activities, so breathe deep. It's like saying, eh, don't worry about getting stabbed, because getting shot so much worse. Right? Uh, how about neither? Two risks don't make a right. Of course, you know Philip Morris stopped throwing deer under the bus once they purchased Kraft Foods. Just saying. Can the beta-glucan fiber in brewers, bakers, and nutritional yeast improve wound healing and uh, potentially anti-cancer immunity? Here's the research. In an article entitled The Treatment of Inoperable Cancer, it was noted that 200 years ago it was observed that a certain number of malignant growths disappeared after an attack of a type of strep infection, and that was 200 years before 1901 when this was published. A disproportionate number of cases of spontaneous tumor regressions have followed various infections. The thought is that an infection may, be, may kind of so rile up the immune system, the cancer may get caught in the crossfire, a phenomenon that may have inspired healers dating back to the ancient Egyptians thousands of years ago. But you don't know until you put it to the test. Though it wasn't formally studied until the 1800s, when doctors started intentionally infecting cancer patients. The most famous proponent was William Colley, the so-called father of immunotherapy at what would eventually become Memorial Sloan Kettering. He was convinced that having a severe infection could cause cancer to regress, so with a great deal of courage he started injecting cancer patients. Uh, the problem, of course, is that causing infections is quite dangerous, and two of his patients died. However, their tumors did shrink, if only there was a way we could boost the immune system without killing people. Uh, well, that's the theory behind therapeutic cancer vaccines, one of which has been in practice for decades, uh, squirting a weakened bovine tuberculosis bacteria into the bladders of patients with bladder cancer to make the immune system attack, boosting long-term survival up to 36%. 
Okay, but is there something we can eat that can boost immune function? In my videos on countering stress-induced immune suppression and preventing common childhood infections, I reviewed evidence about a type of fiber in bakers, brewers, and nutritional yeast called beta-glucans, uh, which are considered immunomodulatory compounds uh, suggested to enhance the defense against infections and potentially cancer. Beta-glucans themselves do not appear to have a direct cytotoxic effect in terms of killing cancer cells, but may boost anti-tumor immunity by activating our immune cells. Uh, for example, if you take freshly excised tumors of breast cancer patients and let loose natural killer cells upon them, they can kill off a small percentage of the tumor cells, but first prime them in vitro with some yeast beta-glucans, and they become five times more effective at killing cancer cells. What if you just eat it, though? When 23 women with metastatic breast cancer were given just a sixteenth of a teaspoon of nutritional yeast worth of beta-glucans, they experienced a 50% increase in the number of monocyte white blood cells in their bloodstream, which are part of our natural defenses as well as a significant increase in their activation. But it was just a two-week study. The clinical significance of this finding is unclear. Uh, what we want to know is if they actually live longer. The only English-language randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial of breast cancer patients in beta-glucan was more of a wound-healing study, where they found that the women taking beta-glucan healed so much faster after surgery uh, that the tubes could be removed from their chest and armpits, in some cases days earlier. This was the first clinical study to demonstrate improved wound healing using oral beta-glucans, uh, the other two uh, showing benefits for pediatric burns and leg ulcers were performed using topical beta-glucan preparations, uh, putting it on the skin directly, something that did not appear to reverse precancerous skin lesions better than placebo. But that's because the placebo cream works so well, too. Both groups showed a significant reduction. They speculated that since each patient acted as their own control, putting the beta-glucan cream on one arm and the placebo cream on the other, that the application of beta-glucans on one arm may have been absorbed into the system and helped on the other arm, given that systematic effects have been noted following topical administration. But what effect might oral beta-glucans have on the progression of internal cancers? Yeah, oral yeast beta-glucans can cause dramatic tumor shrinkage in mice, but there appears to be only one human study published in English. Twenty patients with advanced cancer on chemo were given a beta-glucan supplement in an open-label, uncontrolled trial. 60% of the patients supposedly reported a sense of well-being while taking the beta-glucan and asked to remain on the treatment after the completion of the study, but that just sounds like classic placebo effect. Same thing with reporting being less tired, but this is interesting. One patient with lymphoma and enlarged lymph nodes in the neck who delayed his standard chemotherapy for four weeks during the study noted a marked reduction in the size of the nodes while taking the supplement alone. So this, you know, one kind of anecdotal case is interesting, especially since there are no side effects, but not exactly revolutionary. In Japan, 
There have been more than 20 randomized controlled trials on the use of beta-glucans as an adjunct cancer treatment, which evidently show an enhancement of chemo or radiation therapy, resulting in a positive effect on survival and quality of life. For example, there was evidently a study on taking a yeast beta-glucan supplement to help cancer relapse after surgery. Uh, there were no relapses in the treated group, compared to about 1 in 5 in the control group. Even more intriguing, yeast beta-glucans for inoperable cancer patients, end-stage cancer, since only about 1 in 20 patients made it 3 months, and by 6 months they were all dead whereas in the treated group most survived for more than three months. Not one in 20, but most, and 43% were still alive after six months. Now, evidently it's not clear how patients were divvied up into treatment versus control groups. If they weren't randomly assigned, they may have inadvertently cherry-picked healthier patients for the treatment group, which could explain the results. Now, I've looked for this study, everywhere, so I could get it translated, but even the National Library of Medicine couldn't find it. If anyone out there can, though, I'll do a follow-up video. But the amount of beta-glucan they used is what you'd find in a single pinch of nutritional yeast, which would cost less than a penny, and the only side effect would be tastier popcorn. So why not give it a try? If you're wondering which nut, as in edible nut, fights cancer better, you're in the right place. In this story, we look at the special properties of almonds, Brazil nuts, cashews, hazelnuts, macadamias, peanuts, pecans, pine nuts, pistachios, and walnuts. Guess which nut is best. In my video on nuts and breast cancer prevention, I featured data from the Harvard Nurses Study suggesting early nut consumption may be a viable means for breast cancer prevention. A follow-up study involving the daughters of the nurses corroborated the findings. Those eating more peanut butter, nuts, beans, lentils, soybeans, or corn were found to just have a fraction of the risk for fibrocystic breast disease, which places one at higher risk for cancer and the protective effects were found to be strongest for those most at risk, the ones with a family history of breast cancer. A new study even found just two handfuls of nuts a week may protect against pancreatic cancer, one of our deadliest cancers. We're not sure why they work. Nuts are described as nutritionally precious, packed with all sorts of goodies, which may explain some of the mechanisms by which nut components induce cancer cell death and inhibit cancer growth and spread in vitro, but which nuts work the best? In my video number one anti-cancer vegetable, we learned that two classes of vegetables, the broccoli family of vegetables and the garlic family of vegetables, most effectively suppress cancer cell growth. Then in which fruit fights cancer better, cranberries, and lemons took the title. What about nuts? Well, in terms of antioxidant content, walnuts and pecans steal the show. 25 walnuts has the antioxidant equivalent of 8 grams of vitamin C. That's like the vitamin C found in 100 oranges. Ah, but how do they do against cancer? Pine nuts, cashews, and macadamia nuts uh, start pulling away from the pack. Almonds appear twice as protective, having cancer cell growth at only half the dose, but these final three are the winners, walnuts 
and pecans, with the bronze going to peanuts. This was nuts versus human liver cancer cells, like they did in the fruit study. They found similar results pitting nuts against human colon cancer cells, which is particularly useful since ingested nuts would come in direct contact with colon cancer tumors in the real world, whereas for something like breast cancer, even if nuts suppressed breast cancer growth in a petri dish, that doesn't necessarily mean nut consumption would suppress breast cancer growth in the breast, since the protective nut compounds might not even get absorbed into the bloodstream. To test that, you'd have to like design an experiment where you drip, where you drip the blood of nut eaters versus non-nut eaters on breast cancer, and that's exactly what researchers at Penn State recently did. And they wanted to know what it was about nuts that was so protective, so they fed people whole walnuts, just the walnut oil, or just the walnut skins, and then dripped their blood on human breast cancer cells in a petri dish over the next six hours, and the blood of those eating walnuts suppressed the growth of human breast cancer, but just the oil or just the skin didn't seem to. And most importantly, this data suggests that you know, some components of walnuts are indeed absorbed, circulate in the blood, and can affect breast cancer cell proliferation. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, uh, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. Uh, there you'll find all the detailed information you need, uh, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. Be sure to check out my new How Not to Die cookbook. It's beautifully designed, with more than 100 recipes for delicious, health-promoting meals, snacks, beverages, desserts. Uh, not just every recipe is healthy, every ingredient of every recipe is healthy. All green light whole plant foods, and of course, all the proceeds I receive from the sales of my books all goes to charity. NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science-based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There are no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm Dr. Michael Greger.